See this? This is my boomstick! got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. All right, all right. Welcome back, all you listeners in podcast land. This is the second installment of Slow Robot Agogo, the podcast dedicated to lost, forgotten, or overlooked B-movies of the past. I'm coming, this is Mal, coming to you from the land of K-pop and petulant children. Uh, today, I'm going to be featuring um, what I consider one of the best sci-fi movies to come out of the 60s. Of course, I am talking about Robinson Caruso on Mars. Now, <clears throat> I got I, I first saw Robinson Caruso on Mars um, back in 2007. It received the Criterion Collection makeover and I jumped on it. I had never seen it before. It was a blind buy, but I got it on one of those, you know, internet, uh, here's a nickel and a wish, and they send you the, C- the DVD. Of course, it wasn't that cheap, but it was pretty cheap. Initially, I got it because I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be off the chart crazy. You know, uh, like Angry Red Planet or some of these other really, <clears throat> really um, interesting sci-fi movies from the 60s. And... Uh, as I'm watching it, I really found myself intrigued and found myself like on the edge of my seat with a lot of this. Um, so I'll first I'll do the 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 uh, you know the breakdown of it, the synopsis of it, and then I'll get into my personal reflections. Um, <clears throat> this is let's see, Robinson Crusoe on Mars is of course um, patterned after. Uh, Robinson Crusoe, a novel written by Daniel Defoe, obviously Willem Defoe's father. Okay, that's not true, but eh, it sounds good. Okay, so Willem Defoe uh, writes this book, and then um, it gets adapted by John C. Higgins. It gets adapted with a Mars twist, you know. So taking it, the very almost this, the exact same story, and of course just making the setting Mars. Um, which he does very, very well. Um, there's, I think the cast is only, I mean, in typical, um, fairly low-budget um, sci-fi movies from the 50s and 60s, there's only a cast of, I think, four or five. Maybe more, but I can't think of any other than the four main characters off the top of my head. Um, <clears throat> it stars uh, Paul Mantee, who is... Commander Christopher Kit Draper. Now he's the he's the he's the the, the, the hero of the movie. Um, the his the uh, they're as they're flying to Mars. He's on a he's on a ship going to Mars, and his co-pilot or co-commander or colonel Colonel Dan McReady, played by a very reserved Adam West. I first saw this uh, very young Adam West, and I was like, here we go. Now we're going to see some wackiness, you know. <clears throat> I couldn't get the picture of uh, Batman running around with that giant uh, bomb from the uh, Batman and Robin movies. Um, 
but yes, he was very reserved. It was he was actually really good in the in the movie. He 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 was uh, he died off quick. So basically, um, Kit and Dan McReady and the third person or the third actor is uh, Mona, which is a monkey, and Mona was played by the Wooly Monkey. Yes, of course, that's what the credit is. The Wooly Monkey plays Mona. So we have Kit, not the car from Knight Rider, just Kit, Commander Kit, uh, Colonel McReady, and uh, a monkey named Mona. And they're doing the usual flight to Mars stuff. Um, not stock footage. This is like the clicking and, you know, blinky buttons and lots of people in, in uh, space suits. I can't remember, uh, it's been a little while since I've seen this one, I can't remember offhand, one of my favorite things about the old uh, sci-fi movies is how basically the inside of rocket ships is like a room, you know, they're like on chairs and they can get up and walk around, you know, when you see the real space shuttle and you see the the real uh, spaceships, you know, basically they sit people in a field and build it around them and say, okay, uh, ignition, you know. I can't remember if this one has it. I, I want to say it does, but it seemed, I think it, I, if I remember correctly, it seems almost like the inside of a sub. A little bit more space, but still very tight. So they're flying to Mars, and everything's going swimmingly. Two men and a monkey. And, um, <clears throat> and to avoid meteor collision, they have to expend their fuel. Um, and then what happens basically is to expend it, to get, they have to eject, and, uh, they, they land, they get down onto the Mars surface, and the ship is still, now it's out of, it's out of its fuel, so it's just in orbit, you know. They eject to the surface, and, um, unfortunately, uh, McReady, played by Adam West, dies in, in, in this, in this escape. So that means Kit and Mona are stuck on this hostile territory, this hostile planet, I mean. Um, you know, he at first, I, he, they eject at different times so he doesn't know that McReady's dead, you know. So he finds a, a, a cave, you know, and, he's, and he kind of sets up a, like a, I want to say like a base camp kind of thing where he's there, you know. He's just, um, he's assuming he can get back to the ship or whatever. He doesn't know at this point, you know, of course... He's getting his uh, bearings, <coughs> and he ventures out. And there's um, some of the neat. Well, and he, and he finds out McReady's dead, and he and he buries him. At this point, him and the monkey, the what they discover is the atmosphere on Mars is there's oxygen there, but it's very um, like low level, you know, or like a thin atmosphere. So he. He, if if he is, doesn't have a tank, he um he stops breathing, you know, or he he starts gasping like he's gasping for air, so it's not enough to sustain his life, <clears throat> but you know he's uh he has a few tanks, and of course one of the things that was really awesome about this movie is they um there was impending doom, you know, you're sitting there, you, you know, you you can you you feel like you're with this guy. And no water, no food, no air. All things... I mean, he has all those things, but he has very, very small supply of them. 
so he doesn't the end is near you know this 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 guy isn't going to last a whole heck of a long time at this point so what happens then is um he so he sets or somehow he finds out that i can't remember the exact he's in this cave he then you know, the cave becomes more and more like his home of course and uh he has um he discovers that the sand burning the sand rock makes oxygen there's like a sandy kind of a i want to say like a, it looks like limestone but whatever it is you know he's burning these rocks and that creates oxygen so now he has a, he has a source that he can fill his tanks we're not going to get into the you know how you can fill you know high pressure tanks with a with oxygen from a fire let it go so anyway so <clears throat> and he but he's still now he has the oxygen um solved for the most part i mean he has this really he has this a, a, a clock made of sand, like that drops sand that um, wakes him up every X amount of, I forget what the the time limit is, wakes him up to so he can take a, a breath of air. It's really, that's the stuff that kind of gets you. You're like, oh my god, that would be like hell. So um, then he's noticing that he notices that Mona, the monkey, isn't really. Um, Eat, interested in eating or drinking this stuff that what you know the supplies from the ship anymore. So what he does is he gives um, the the monkey a really salty biscuit, and then he just watches because Mona's like leaves for a while, then comes back, every, every, like every day. So he follows this monkey, and then he finds a, like a paradise, you know, where there's water. I mean, you know, running water. He, you know, he finds like a cave with uh, an underground pond, and there's also like um, edible plant, you know, edible plants that he describes as sausages, you know. So, okay, great. Now there's food and there's water, and air, you know. So he's he's solved all his the the, the survival problems. Now he's stuck day in and day out with, you know, him. You know, just he's beginning to crack because. There's just him on this planet, you know, the, the, this desperate loneliness, uh, and and just being stuck, uh, you know, all by yourself. Of course, I mean the monkey's there, but you know, so he's just losing it slowly but surely. And and as he's he starts, as he starts like going further and further out, you know, he see he finds um, like a like a burial plot, or he sees like a rock that do- couldn't naturally be the way it is. And it turns out that this is like a, um, this is a, a, a marker for a grave. And he digs up the, the skeleton and he, he determines that it, that it was murdered because of this, the skull is charred. And he also s- finds that the, this, this, um, this skeleton has like a bracelets on its arms, like handcuffs. It looks like, they look like handcuffs kind of. Well, not handcuffs, but you know what I'm saying. So... Now he, since he discovers it's murder, he starts to wig out a little bit, and um, and to he's afraid someone's going to come back and kill him, so he self-destructs the the ship. Because at this point, the ship is is going around over orbit. It's orbiting around Mars, and he can see it every now and then. He'll he'll see it come by, and he for a while he was trying to use these um, the uh, guidance like to to have it come down. 
you know, like uh, have, trying to remote control it to land. Well, now he's scared, so he's, he, he can't get it anyway, so he, he self-destructs the ship from the ground. Um, and then, uh, I forget how long it is, it's a little while, you know, and he starts, you know, he, like, he hides, he, because he, at first he was, he had, like, a, a name played out on his cave and stuff like that, he was becoming, you know, ways of amusing himself. Um, but then, um, he, he hears what he thinks is a rescue ship, and he goes running towards it, and it turns out that this was a, um, this is an alien alien craft and he realizes it because it looks the, the alien ships look like the ones from um, War of the Worlds just without the green laser it, they, they do shoot lasers but so he sees he, he cautiously goes up and he's recording it you know he has like this little recorder and um, what happens is now he like someone escapes with it like there they're, they're slaves there and they're, this, these ships are watching these slaves that mining the people are humans, but these humans are mining. They like their slave labor. So um, the one slave gets away, and uh, that slave was played by Victor London, um, who's the I th- I, th- I want to say he's the only other actor. You know, there's voices and stuff of like that, but he's the only one that w- other one. And um, of course, uh, Kit names him um, um, Friday. You know. Uh, after the character in Robinson Crusoe as a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know. And um, at first he doesn't. At first, of course, they're they're uh, strangers, so they're not, you know, buddy, buddy. This isn't like a buddy flick. So and uh, but then uh, as they start getting better, and 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 he teaches him English, and then um, Friday gives him uh, some air pills, which help. Um, Breathe. He can breathe when he takes the air, the air pills, these oxygen pills. Um, and and, the, and the, the the slave has like a whole satchel of them. So every now and then he just reaches in and gives him one. Um, and every now and then the ships come back and start blasting the place up. And what they figure out is that you know the slave is wearing one of those bracelets, and that's how we, they're finding him. Um, so then, like the very last thing. Um, the aliens are blasting away at them, and they they go into these underground Martian canals, um, and they they end up at at a, like a I want to say like the North Pole or like a polar up like an iceberg, an ice cap. So they're freezing. They're you know they're out of food. They're out of everything. Now they're out. They have no shelter. Um, so they try and build a, 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 a like an Eskimo you know igloo. And they finally they finally get um, Friday's bracelet off, um, and one, and then at the same time a meteor crashes into the ice cab, and the firestone melts the ice, which is kind of like okay you know, um, and like for so the the whole time this is a lot of suspense, and then at the very le- at the very end, they think the ship is coming to blast them. They think they've been found out the last time, um, but then they hear. A radio, like over their little like little CB or ham radio, they they hear a human voice. Uh, Kit Draper uh, identifies himself, and um, and they come down and save him. So, you know, it was there was I left a lot a lot of like little stuff out. Of course, this is just a synopsis. I'm not going to give you the hour and a half version of an hour and a half film.
Okay, I'm going to take a quick music break. So there's the synopsis of what the movie is. I'm going to do a quick mu music break, and when I come back, I'll go over some of the things I loved about the movie and what I my general thoughts are. Okay, I'll be right back. Well, well, well. Do you feel the icy grip of fear clutching your spine? No, you say? Well, you may already be dead. Such frightful tales of fiends and werewolves. It's enough to make a ghoul want to do the ghastly stomp. What do you say, boys? How much, How much shock, shock can, can you stand? 
All right. Thank you very much. Uh, once again, that was our friends, the Ghastly Ones. With uh, that was actually two tracks off of their um, unearthed record. The first one was the first one that was the just the intro was the icy grip of fear, and then followed by everyone's doing the Ghastly Stomp. I was a little bit conflicted because that was the last track on their. I keep saying record because I'm a vinyl head. That was the last track. Um, and what I had done, there was a long, like, like a space of dead air after the song, and then before that little, the little end intro. Um, I don't really like um, modifying other people's works. Like I, what I did was I, um, I deleted the the, the dead air. And I hope that's cool with them. I'm sure it is. They're very cool guys, but I um, I kind of hate doing that. I almost deleted the whole thing completely, but then I'm like, well, okay. I I've blathered on long enough. I still haven't put the um, <coughs> excuse me. I still haven't put the links on the show, on, you know, on the web on the web page. But I do encourage everyone to look up the ghastly ones. They are really cool, like a psychobilly surf punk band um i've been f- i've found myself more and more really loving the old uh, surf sound and uh, practicing on guitar playing that so i'm i hope you all dig them as much as i do okay now uh this is going to be the part where i talk about um like my reflections about the movie itself um you know, I went over what it is, what it was about, or you know, the the, the key players, all that good stuff. Um, the for a budget, it had a budget of uh, I think just over a million dollars. Um, and of course, some of the B movies I'll be reviewing have a budget of like you know ten dollars. So that is substantial. I know that they did cut a lot of, um, not a lot. They cut a few scenes out of the movie that they had planned completely on budgetary restraint like they couldn't swing it i often wonder what what uh, the, what they would have put in there when i like as i said a little bit in the beginning when i started watching this movie i kind of was in my mind i was looking forward to a real cheese ball of a sci-fi movie um you know i was like the, like the, the really goofy stuff and I quickly discovered this was a whole different breed of cat. This this movie was well shot. It was the 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 scenery was perfect. There was special effects on Mars like there was just these these random um like fireballs that were traveling around you know, aimlessly. That was just part of the Martian landscape. It was so I think of course it was shot in the um, Death Valley. I I'm assuming Death Valley. But um, you know, like we've seen a, every sci-fi movie shot in California in the 50s and 60s was d- done out there with those those rocks and canyons and stuff. But the um, what struck me was that this was one of the first, this is one of the only movies that I really felt tension. And like I want to say, like worry, not worry. You're not worried, but you know what I'm saying. Like you, you, the tension of him gasping for air sometimes, or 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 running out of air, or running out of water. Like most movies can't pull this off, and for some reason, this one did. When I was watching it, 
it wasn't like an you know the the orchestra wasn't killing hitting me over the head with their this is suspense music you know but it was like wow this is crazy and it, i just really felt like i wanted this guy to make it and i didn't think he was gonna <laughs> i thought they were gonna totally pull an easy rider on me in the end where they both just died in the in the glacier which i am actually kind of a proponent of those types of endings sometimes it's okay for two bikers to get shotgunned and die in a ditch. That's a very fitting ending. It doesn't always have to be somebody swoops up the girl and they ride off into the sunset. So I kind of thought that was where where this was going. Because they didn't... There wasn't that, we're going to rescue, you know, Kit on Mars. There wasn't those shots establishing, yes, there's a whole bunch of people that really care. There was, of course, some, but not... It wasn't. It was mostly just a guy, a monkey, and you know, and then you're trying to live, and you know, feeling this this desperation. So, you know, overall, I think um, IMDb or, or Tomato Meters, you know, have uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I those are my two go-to sites. Rotten Tomatoes, I have quite a bit of respect for, and IMDb, of course. Those two are the big guns to me. They 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 do rate it fairly high for being a 60s sci-fi movie. Fairly high is like seven or eight. You know, most of these sci-fi movies I watch are hovering around the three and four, and that's being generous out of ten. So, um, it was a very surprising movie. It was a very good movie. I I felt for the characters. There was a few times where I think modern political correct correctness run amok, often I say, uh, the, the modern p- political correct viewpoints made me kind of think, why is he talking down to this guy? It, like, when, when he found this, when the slave became his friend. And, and he was his friend, it wasn't like, you know, he wasn't, you know, Kit's slave. But, but there was, there did seem to be that I'm superior, you're not, you know, because he started introducing God and English, and he would yell when he didn't use the right English words. Like, it made me, it was very interesting to me, you know, looking at 60s mentality through modern political correct eyes. I'm not politically correct, but I'm, you know what I'm saying, like, what I'm, what our world, what we're used to is way different than the 60s and 50s. So, I would advise buying it. If you do like sci-fi movies, this is really, to me, one of those must-owns. Um, there's a few of them out there that I'm going to cover and say, this should be on your shelf. And if I say you should own it, that means I really highly regard it. You know? There's a couple out there, uh, Angry Red Planet is one of them, who I, that I actually do really like. Um, I like... Uh, the Day the Earth Stood Still is does not qualify to me as a B-movie, although it is a, is a very awesome sci-fi movie. That's actually my top-rated movie of all time. That's my favorite movie in forever. Not the new one, the old one. Um, but I also, uh, you know, I, I was going over... I'm kind of moving off the subject. Okay, this is a must-see. At the minimum must-see, I would suggest highly that you go out and buy the Criterion Collection. Um, I... And now I'm moving on, so yay, yay for that, and they're awesome. And you know, Robin, Robinson Crusoe on Mars and Adam West are awesome. My um, 
I was trying to think of what some of the other ones I'm going to be doing in the future. You know, what what do I want to present? What do I want to pitch? What do I want to say was horrible and funny and what you know, but worth watching? Like Robot Monster, um, one of the most atrocious pieces of junk to ever you know be shown in public. But I'll probably review it because it's hilarious. It's you know, it's literally you know five people in a camera and just no script and they just whatever you know. So they're it's hilariously bad. I'm going to do a lot of those movies, too. You know, the first two I picked um, because I was actually pleasantly surprised by both of them. The, um, you know, the first show was Without Warning. I actually thought that was great. There's another B-movie out there called, was it called Satan's Sadists? I think that's it. It's, there's a couple out there that I was so surprised that I actually enjoyed them. And so I'll be doing those. There's a couple that I love to death. You know, another one of my favorite movies ever is Death Race 2000. Again, the you know the original, not Death Race with extreme over-the-top bullshit CG crap and rappers and all that other garbage. No, I'm talking about the very original one with David Carradine as Frankenstein and Sylvester Stallone as Machine Gun Jova Turbo. That has actually is considered. I consider that one of my favorite movies as well because it's just insane. Um, but of course, then the other ones like This Island Earth. I mean, please stay tuned. I'm going to be doing a lot of movies, and I do look forward to people emailing me or you know, or commenting on the site uh, to give me movies you'd you'd like me to see. I'm, chances are I've seen them because I'm kind of a movie addict, but maybe not. You know, there's a lot of really wacky stuff out there, and I hope I can bring a funny perspective and some information about each one of them. So, okay, well, thank you for listening. I hope I wasn't too boring. Um, Please run out and at the very least um, rent or Netflix up the, uh, I don't know how the correct way of saying that, you know, on demand, view, I don't know, who cares. Netflix or rent Robinson Crusoe on Mars. If you do have a few bucks laying around, I would strongly suggest buying it because I've watched it many times and I know I'll watch it many more times. Um... I'm Mal, signing off. I look forward to bringing you many more silly, wacky, funny, horrible movies in the near future. Okay, thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. Yeah, I said y'all. I'm from Florida.